So I was looking through the various uh, forms you all filled in, and looking particularly at the last thing. Why did why did you come on retreat? <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good question. So somebody somebody just wrote good question. <laughs> so <laughs> others says I wanted to. <laughs> Felt like it. <laughs> yeah. So, various things. Because they were kind of personal answers, you know. But maybe the the uh, in some way the best answers of why not and what just felt like I wanted to because uh, you know it's, it's just a sort of a sense of something just. You know, I like it, I want to do it, I need a break, I want something, a different change, shift, you know. And then you can do all kinds of uh, <coughs> specifications on that, deepen my practice, um, learn a bit more, or things of this nature, or perhaps it's just a movement towards greater clarity, uh, feeling more in touch with yourself, Greater sense of warm-heartedness, some repair, healing and repair <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah. So, I think in a technical sense, sometimes people say we're just working out some <coughs> karma, you know, which is the kind of Buddh- Buddhist way of putting it. Actually, it doesn't really mean working out karma. It means working out vipaka, which means uh, inheritance. That's the old, old stuff that we've got running. Um, that's running us. <laughs> you know, it seemed like first we were running it, but then it ends up it's running us. And you get that feeling of being run along along tracks that you don't feel really good about or fulfilled, and yet that's the way the system is running. You know, and it's it's running because of uh, a social context or a work context or a, you know a contextual thing, and it's something that you're in. And it's also when we begin to look at it more candidly, it's also because it's with uh, it's programming inside ourselves. So you can notice like people can be always busy no matter where they're going, and they think oh it's because of so much of this and so much of that. But it it's funny how you know, the busy person will tend to inst- unconsciously seek out things that make them feel busy. There's an inner program that sets up the out- outer context, and then the and then the outer context, in a way, matches the inner program. So this is how you this is how karma goes on and regenerates itself. You know, karma we park a cause and effect, and the effect generates the next series of causes. It's because we've lived in a certain way, we're wired in a certain way, we respond in a certain way, we keep acting in a certain way. Yeah. So this can be just busy or it can be feeling much more kind of pervasive tones, like just feeling a bit never quite on top of it or feeling something's missing. And everything we do, we get that feeling of it's not quite this yet. <laughs> so I'll try something else, it's not quite this yet. I'll do something else, it's not quite this yet. And the not quite this yet isn't really the action, it's something about the way we're acting. We haven't really come into fullness with what we're doing. 
Yeah, so this we call this dukkha, the unsatisfactory experience. And you know, some of it you can obviously see it's contextual in some case, you know, there's pain, there's suffering, it's busy, it's noisy, it's this, that and the other outside. Um but the Buddha's saying, Well, yeah, you can you can do what you can with that and it's good to do what you can with that. It's really helpful to do what you can with that. To to generate a context and a situation that makes you feel able to feel more comfortable and clear and uh, ethically straight. But you still you know, that's that's a support for the the real generation of karma is in your own mind, you know. So sometimes it's the case, you know, where I was talking to somebody a while ago and they're feeling a sense of regret. They haven't quite, if only they'd done this 20 years ago, if they only had done that 20 years ago, then this wouldn't be like it is now. You know, a sense of having missed it or not, or say, well, what is it that you've missed? Can you imagine what that would feel like? You know, can you imagine, you know, the wish to be happy, the wish to feel free, the wish to feel clear? Uh, how can you wish for it if you haven't, if it's not there? You know, you must have some impression of what that would be like. You know, some sense of what that would feel like. Yeah. Uh, oh, it would be... Oh yeah, if only it were, oh yeah. And then you kind of pick up the message. <coughs> it's just the, you know, right, and it's really, you know, available, pos- you know, it c- you, can, you can feel it, you can sense it. The break, the holiday, the freedom, the ease. How do you know what those words mean unless you've already got somewhere an impression of that? And can you connect to that impression of it? Take it in. Sit in that rather than sit in the dis-ease. Rather than sit in the unfulfilled, inadequate, never going to get there, always got to do so much. Syndromes, programs, noises, voices. Why can't we find a way to sit in the, this is what I wanted, you know. What's that? Is it, It's not... An idea, it's not a sensation, it's not a feeling, it's a movement of the spirit. It's in a, a wholeness or a, the, the voice of the spirit, the sense of, of that. To feel, perhaps sometimes it's feeling not so shrunk, we feel a bit bigger, or we feel less jangled, or we feel more rich, potent, or feel um, calm and clear and so th- these are something you can just intuit what what you're looking for and you've, the fact that you can intuit means that somewhere you do have a sense of that and that's in your mind in your heart also can you tune into that can you tune into the feeling of that So we, the movement of our practice is to uh, move out of karma vipaka, out of effect, 
and even out of cause. So customarily, you know, we have we may have this kind of impression that you do something and then you get something as a result, which is Kama Vipaka. And that's that truth. This is true. You know, when you act in unskillful ways, you get unskillful results. When you act in skillful ways, you get skillful results. So, you know, it's kind of something you keep checking out, don't you? What is skillful and what's unskillful in terms of your, your daily life? You start to set up things like ethical standards. You start to realize you've got to be nice to yourself. You can't just keep, you know, bashing yourself down or or putting yourself down in some way or another. You've got to actually have a different attitude. Because as long as you, the mental karma is the strongest, and as long as one keeps creating and st- strengthening and indoctrinating yourself in views, you know, in negative views about yourself, <laughs> you never get out of it. You know, you never get out of it because you keep one. The mind keeps creating it. Yeah. So the it can get locked. It can get locked. And obviously, no one wants to create suffering for themselves. No one wants to. Surely, no one wants to create suffering. So how come the Buddha said? Dukkha is because <laughs> a lot of it's unconscious. A lot of it's just uh, with this blindness is not seeing how it happens, how something in us keeps generating it, how we something that instinctively gets caught into creating negative karma, not just physical actions, but mental actions, which means because the mental action of of negativity, of men- mental action of, of aversion, the mental action of mistrust, the mental action of of uh, resentment, you know, fear, these kinds of experiences that can be running along in fairly dilute forms. And when they dilute, you don't really n- know you have ill will because it's not raging hatred. It's just maybe a low-level grey niggardliness. <laughs> you know, um, it's not it's it's not a goodwill. You know, it doesn't feel like a brightness. It doesn't feel like goodwill. It feels like kind of well, you can't really do very much, and after all, and, or cynical, or slightly of that nature. So you know, you sit in that for a long time, and the dust settles. You know, the dust lands on the mind. You know, if if the hindrances came in in big black dollops with spiky horns on their head, (laughs) there wouldn't be a problem. You just see one come and you go, okay, here comes a bad guy, shoot him down or run or something. They don't. They come in just as fine, fine dust. You don't notice it. It just builds up kind of fine veneer of of greyness or of, dullness or of niggardliness crampness occasionally get a big hit but a lot of it is just a uh, indoctrination in um, shrunken views negative views ill will mm. so then you know it's a quell and the, the proof of it comes I, I suggest you can look at can you create can you have a mind of goodwill towards yourself 
And you go, uh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, so if, if that becomes something that, you know, all right, how do I do that? This means that you've got a, an ill will program running on, on an unconscious level. You know, it's not, it's, it's also isn't blaming anybody or saying it's, you know, your fault. There's no point in doing that. But we to to recognize some of these programs and say, well, how do you begin to generate goodwill? Where does that come from? Like most things, you have to begin pretty, you know, step at a time. If we begin to acknowledge ill will, that is already a step. And you might notice when it gets intense, like you drop a cup, you smash something, you turn up late. You know, you lose, leave your wallet behind. Oh, idiot! And this kind of, you know, things where you get something like that. Um, inadequacy, physical limitations, um, energetic limitations. I can't do the work that I used to do, or I can't keep up. Therefore, I am weaker, lazier, slower, stupider, useless, and so forth could be energetic limitations, could be emotional limitations, you know, I don't feel, could be social limitations, I'm not a terribly sociable, bright, you know, witty, charming (laughs) being, therefore I am of the opposite. So sometimes you can see these particular places where it gets quite activated and you feel a bit depressed or, or left out. And especially in in group situations where the the norm is that everybody, every single individual in the group feels they're the odd one out in the group. And they have different reasons for it because I'm the oldest or I'm the youngest or I'm the newest or I I come from a different country or I'm the one with neuralgia or, you know. (laughs) So, and everybody else, or I'm the one who can't, you know, everybody else is sitting in Samadhi and I'm still thrashing around uh, you know so, so and around these we, we feel this is this is ill will actually it's ill will because yeah. what it's doing is it's 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 cutting us off from feeling um, relaxed free open <coughs> valuable as valuable as anybody else is you know it's not like value in terms of who can jump the highest who can run the fastest it's a sense of well you know you you're as welcome and as as here as anybody you're as good as anybody on on a level of spirit you know doesn't you know whether you speak five languages or or stumble trying to stumble through one (laughs) that's not that's not we're looking at looking at spiritual value which means you have that that in you which wishes to awaken, you know, that quality of clarity and integrity, that's what's valuable. The rest of it is just karma. Kama Vipaka. And all you want to do with Kama Vipaka is just tidy it up so that it's running as good as it can do, you know, so that you're not actually messing it up 
you're not rail, you know, not derailing yourself and other people, and then to be able to step out of it, cause and effect, because cause and effect can only go back to more cause and effect. It's not a deathless. It's not a nibbana. It's not a. It's not a. You know, it's not satisfactory. It's like that. So all of us, as we meditate and why we meditate and how we meditate is because all of us have this very normal faculty of we have our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, sensations that arise, drives and inclinations that arise. And we have something that supervises it, something that witnesses it. Everybody has this. Something can know, something witnesses, something is aware of what's going on. Sometimes it's it's not, uh, uh, you know, the the, the um, uh, it's it's kind of minimal. Yeah. So we we're barely with it. A lot when there's a lot of reactivity, overwhelmed, or psychotic, of course. You know, when there isn't that. So when we approach sense of overwhelm, the quality of supervision of a supervisory witness becomes very attenuated and then we feel quite frightened and rightly so. Of course, sometimes we choose to get overwhelmed with intoxication and then should also be frightened of that. (laughs) No supervision. Supervision sounds kind of heavy, but it's really just there's a witness, there's a witnessing that goes on. And so in meditation, you know, almost like lesson one, chapter one, is there's the ability to witness one's thoughts, feelings, and so on. So we have that. You have that and you have this karma. That's the activation, the impressions being activated by things. And we also recognize that that sense of witnessing can be pretty uh, patchy. So, uh, in, so in meditation we are actually tidying up the impulses and the impressions and what's coming in. We're limiting, channeling, tidying that up. So in a way the very that in fact involves supervision in an active way, actively supervising what's going on. So that the quality of supervision, be- awareness becomes more and more to the fore of the mind. And you can begin to explore that. As you do, you notice that uh, mostly what occurs is there's witnessing and then uh, something arises and the mind kind of contracts around that. It's rather like you have a, a pond, you know, and then when something is is just duck is flying over over it, you just get this this reflection in it. You, know, you can see the reflection of the duck flying over the pond. The pond remains completely still. But for a lot of people, that duck doesn't fly over the pond. <laughs> it just surfs right down into it. <laughs> so you're witnessing, and then then the whoosh, and then the ripples start. And it's a whole kerfuffle. 
and then maybe the duck flies off again and then the ripples will settle down yeah. so it's it's like that isn't it uh, and uh, I think most people's ducks don't fly that far <laughs> they they land and start quacking uh, so that's 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 karma quacking duck but if you notice that it, it it splashes in and then it flies out again that's there's something useful about that because what it does is it begins to at least give us the the nudge that the really uh, meaningful stuff or the most um, stable stuff is is the pond rather than the duck no. so what's that and uh, as we l- get less interested in less bothered by less identifying with less caught up with those ducks the chances that we stay more and more with the quality of pond something still something wonderfully expansive and there is both the habit of uh, having all these uh, ducks flying through and crashing in and out so we get to feel that's what we are and we're looking for the right duck a happy duck or whatever it is and there's also because of all that and our conditioning in life is that we want something that seeks that out seeks to have a thing to occupy seeks to have a thing to do you know, whether it could be when we have a thing to do, it's maybe something to feel, something to think, something to be activated by, something to be lifted up by, something to be motivated by, you know, the right duck. And as the graduated process, it's like recognizing, well, some are better than others. So as you start to look at the ones that land more gently, stay longer, feel better again that keeps reintroducing calming the mind and settling it into the nature of awareness so you know awareness is both uh, intrinsically free but habitually um, confused it it still has a view it still contains that sense of inclination towards something we get bored nothing's much is happening or it tips over and we start to you know mull over thoughts and obviously what everybody experiences when you meditate you may have moments seconds minutes whatever it is of just something seeming very clear and open and then stuff we say stuff comes up yeah. so this is the old karma the old patterns, the old programs. So a lot of our practice is really taking, remembering this scenario. So whatever it is, you don't, you realize it's just stuff to be handled. And uh, rather than actually essential self, what I am, it's just stuff to be handled. And then knowing how to handle it 
so that it can be completed, can finish, can leave, can uh, resolve itself. So the old the stuff that arises is you say the old karma or the vipaka, and then you want to avoid making it reactivating it, making it into fresh karma. So you know, pains and difficulties, problems and confusions arise. Can we find a way in which we don't follow that track, go down it again? That's you know that's what we call you know, clear, uh, one level of clearing out is just not following it. The thoughts, the doubts, the hindrances, the obviously difficult stuff. So you have one remedy, you don't follow it. Secondly, um, maybe you look sp- at specific forms of that. So it's the form of, of greed or, you know, craving, wanting something. Or it's the form of aversion, not wanting something, you know, believing you're not enough, <laughs> you know, that kind of quality. Or it's just uh, uh, the confusions, biases, prejudices, stuck attitudes. Mm. So then you look at, you know, what can uh, so what you look into these things what actually can help to stem the tide so very clearly uh, when we consider things that uh, we feel passionate need for you reflect upon their impermanence their changing nature so it's not really going to get you where you think it will go it's not going to take you to the place that something in you wants to be at. There is a there is a there is a, a wish and an aspiration. So there is something that that is needed, if you like. And most of our little uh, feel good tokens, uh, desire tokens, are confused replicas of a call of the spirit. You know why oral gratification need to be filled with something I mean want to be filled up with food or taste or something of this nature it's an easy way to fill up but the filling up doesn't actually fill up what needs to be filled up which is the spirit yeah. so if people do this you know they're wanting to uh, be released so this is why we look for escapes escapes for various means there is a need to be released but it, that doesn't do it. So the, the greed and passion and that kind of nerve, that reflex, is an unconscious or incoherent interpretation of something that is needed. Yeah. So if you cut, so in other words, you can't really just cut these things off. Yeah, because you, you know you can't just suppress these desires, but you want to actually. What really is neat? What would it feel like if you if you had that, that you know, food, drink, whatever it is? What would it feel like? How would you feel? And then you see that that image, that impression, 
is uh, there's some validity in that and try to feel it now you know try to feel the happy or the released or the uh, unburdened sense because it's there otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't have a reaching out for it a lot of us uh, benefit from situate being reminded of goodwill being in touch with goodwill feeling welcome feeling uh no conflict feeling a sense of connection it's one of the healing agencies big uh, problem people living alone or being alone even if they're not physically living alone still feeling alone and it's uh uh, has its truth in the fact that you know sometimes pe- most lonely people who can be very lonely in big cities when there's about seven million people <laughs> around them, not because they're physically alone, but they're psychically psychically for the sense of alienation. So aloneness or loneliness doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily cured by just the presence of other physical forms, but the sense of empathy. And similarly, you can be in solitude and not experience loneliness. You can experience a sense of of um, sharing and empathy you, with people you bring into your mind. You feel a part of your life. So the practices of goodwill, of uh, acknowledgement, of appreciation, are really helpful for overcoming the sense of alienation, depression that can afflict people. Goodwill is particularly important in it's not just that being a nice person, you know, giving out good goodwill to the needy and the poor of the parish, being <laughs> or forgiving other people. It's not just that being a nice person. It's a aspect of, of the mind, it's an aspect of the heart uh, where you only feel satisfied when you're experiencing goodwill. It's like as if the mind needs to be able to extend in an empathic way. If it, do, if it doesn't do that, it feels cramped. And uh, yeah, if it doesn't, if it, it's just a fact of what the human mind is about. Mm-hmm. If there isn't that ability to reach out, to, to spread out, the mind feels cramped. So when the, um, and so people w- find ways to do that. So if you don't, people who don't do a lot of goodwill will tend to get absorbed into hobbies, pastimes, plans. They extend out into abstract realities. Yeah. Uh, dogmas, theories, plans. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what happens see most um, these great tyrants of the 20th century with massive extensions of the mind in terms of ideologies and you know Mao and Stalin and Hitler and certainly reached out <laughs> over millions of people <laughs> but it wasn't empathy <laughs> weren't receiving anything you weren't actually tuned to anything direct you're tuned to an abstract 
ideology or just the imposition of one's own will, but to reach out with a sense of empathy, which doesn't mean you even have to know people that well, you know, personally. It's just that you're, you're tuning in, you're, you have that sense of, you know, whether anybody notices or not, likes it or not, you, you're listening, you're attentive, because you, you feel good like that, you feel balanced like that. And that sense of widening the mind, you know, and it feels very, it's not about getting spun out. Getting spun out is when you, you have to feel you have to actively engage with everything. That's that's action, that's karma. But you can just spread out in terms of awareness without having to actually do anything about it. Like just widen widening your awareness. And you get a, a quality of balance there. Like you see a tightrope walker. You know, when you see a person walking a tightrope they have a they have a generally carry a long pole which they carry, which extends, you know, seven or eight feet either side of them. <laughs> they're not going to the end, they're not rushing out the end of those poles, they're just holding the middle of that pole, walk, and it helps them to walk the fine, the tightrope. And that's what empathy is like. You have your antennae out, it doesn't mean you're going out, but your your attention is attuned in that particular way. And because of that, you feel much more centered and balanced in yourself because you're not cramped, you're not worried, you're not flustered, you're not defended. So the mind extends and it feels its own poise. Mm. And to have an energy passing through you that is uh, something you actually want to be with. We enjoy goodwill. We like to be with people we can like. We enjoy that. So much of this um, situation here is based upon people's free interest and and passion, <laughs> in some ways, to express goodwill. You know, a place that is built on it. You know, just to feel that sense of goodwill pouring through, and uh, feeling connected to a to a scenario of generosity, trust peacefulness, morality, you know, and uh, you know, just to sit in that, tune into that. And these are helpful things. This is where the human realm, all the different people, all this, you know, external stuff has its meaning as a place that you can find your balance in, rather than a place to get strung out in, impacted by, or thrown around by. So when you sit in meditation, it's just to find your own center and then let your mind extend on a spiritual plane. That is, it's, it's just uh, extending awareness. It's not extending um, action. It's not analyzing anybody. It's not feeling anybody else. It's just like extending receptivity. And then within then that, you find, just like the tightrope walker, that quality of, of extension gives you the sense of, ah, this is the center of it. This is the center of it. Yeah. You find the center by finding the, um, the span.
That's the centre of the mind, centre of the effective mind. And in that centeredness, the quality of of um, supervision, of awareness, uh, is uh, amplified because there isn't the contractions, these ripples, these confusions of, of ill will or defensiveness or uncertainty or doubt that continually keep throwing pebbles into the pond or stirring it up. Beauty of a practice like goodwill is it it can be just a general extension, you know, whatever's present here on this visual plane, or it can be an extension in terms of you know, all the people in my life. You know, some some sense of that, what you're carrying, it can be an extension to all the all the elements in my own body. You know, the feelings, the sensations in your own body. The heat, you know, the cold, the dullness, the twinging, just non-aversion. The receptive quality to receptive attention to that non-aversion, non-reactivity. And it can be towards all the energies in your own mind. Naturally, these are the most potent and reactivity-oriented forms your own inner stories that come up so generally it's much it's uh, much easier to practice with um, you know just people around you that sense and also your own body that's where you begin may this body be well may other people be well May there be no sense of of jealousy or criticism or comparisons or judgment or you know if somebody I feel I've got to feel slightly intimidated by or defended against, can I come to that place and relax it, ease it up? If somebody I feel I owe something to, can I look at that or be with that sense of I'm indebted or owed or owing someone what's that you know uh, and just to, to start to release the debt notice the, the impressions of yourself how many of them will actually support and encourage you which are the ones you want to stay with it's going to support and encourage you which are the ones that are always going to close you down <laughs> Tune in as you find the balance. Many of these forms and stories begin to resolve, clear, and you're left with something that's more empathic but quiet, present, attentive. We've cleared out some of the fascination with old karma. Okay, so why don't we do some standing meditation for a few minutes.